Coming to you from the Hawk's Nest, here to satisfy your baseball fix. It is Outfielders Anonymous. Welcome back, Outfielders Anonymous fans. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Christmas Hanukkah. All of those things. It's your man, Hawk. And uh, sitting here with me is Chase the Ace. Chase, Merry Christmas. You as well. Happy New Year to everyone. Thank you. Was Santa Claus good to you? Hmm. My wallet hurts. Yeah, the, the wallet's... Tend to take a beating around this time of year. Yep, 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 yep. They certainly do. But I hope everyone out there had a good Christmas, good holiday, got, you know, whatever you look forward to in the holiday season, whether it's being with family, getting away from family, taking time off of work, whatever it is. Hopefully you got to do that, enjoy it, and uh, get refreshed for 2020. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good holiday uh, for myself. Obviously, like you said, the uh, the wallet took a little bit of a beating. Um, just got back from a quick trip to San Antonio. Unfortunately, had a death in the family. Uh, my uncle, uh, retired Colonel Arthur S. Brandt, passed away on December 29th. Um, but um, after a long battle with multiple myeloma, uh, which is a type of cancer, so. Uh, but was able to at least spend some time with some family I hadn't seen in a while, and we were able to celebrate his life. So always difficult this time of year, but if you're able to celebrate someone's life, I, I think it's uh, I think it's worthwhile and uh, catch up with some family, even if it's under those circumstances. Not to bring everybody down, I think it's it was a positive, right? Because me and my family, and just another word to make sure you're kissing and your loved ones and telling them just how much you love them. Uh, so anyway, moving on to more positive things as we're talking about wallets hurting, uh, let's talk about some of, uh, the moves that we have seen over the last couple of weeks since our last episode. Now we were talking before we began recording, it's been relatively slow over the past couple of weeks, obviously with the holidays, you know, not, not much is going on, uh, but we're back from the holidays now and, uh, and there has been some things that are uh, that are finalized as well as things that are in the works. Yep, absolutely. This is really the only time for, a, you know, because right now, you know, obviously baseball is not being played. But when the offseason starts all the way until when spring training comes around, because it's not a very long offseason when you think about how long the season is, the holiday time is really – that's the only time teams really take time off, you know, as far as the front office staff goes. They work from, you know, the, the time their season's over all the way up to the winter meetings, go to the winter meetings, try to do whatever they can. And then as soon as the holidays in, you know, it's full steam ahead until they go to spring training and they have to start, you know, putting those pieces to work. So slow times to be expected. There's still a lot of big names out there, you know, a few in particular that I know people are wondering about. We kind of went over the big ones in our last, you know, episode where we talked about, you know, Garrett Cole and the the obvious ones, the Steven Strasburgs, the Keikels, the Ryus. Um which were finalized. We were I think Keikel was finalized, but Ryu was in talks and that's now been finalized as yep. well. 
And there's some more free agents to watch out there. Um, but before we get into that, Chase, who is uh, bringing us the pleasure of this episode? Who are our sponsors for this episode? Uh, we have two for this episode. First one is a, uh, a, com- a company that's a friend of the podcast, a sports consulting firm. Uh, people that know me know that that's what I do for a profession. Well, um, a friend of mine is a, uh, a an analyst with another company. Company's called Cappers Direct. They are based out of beautiful and hot Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, the company has eight expert analysts all under one roof, bringing you uh, sports information 365 days a year in all of the major sports. So uh, they, uh, we, we were in talks. They approached us, say, hey, you know, we'd love to be a part of the podcast. And uh, one of the analysts that's a friend of the podcast, his name is Kyle Johnson, he decided, he's like, hey, I want to give a coupon code to your listeners so guys if you have never kind of spoiling the pot on the actual spot that we recorded yeah well we <laughs> but i guess there could be no 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 fewer uh yeah so and again we'll there'll there'll be all uh there, there's a commercial that we've done for them so you'll hear that in the break but uh first uh sponsor is cappersdirect.com second one is my company chasewins.com and uh, you'll hear that one later on in the episode as and well. And finally, my Hawks Call Voice Talent uh, sponsorship. Uh, still working to uh, do some more uh, more voice work this Thursday. I will actually be doing the PA announcing for Furman University's women's basketball team. Uh, so you can check it out on ESPN+. Plus. I know that, they're, uh, that all their games are played on there. You won't really hear the PA announcer. I won't be doing the television spots, uh, but uh, but yeah, that's what we got going. So, as we said, there are players to watch. Mm-hmm. Chase, who in your mind are still the top free agents that are sitting out there and decisions need to be made and teams need to sign? Um, as far as free agents, a true free agent, I think the one that everybody is kind of waiting on is... Um, Josh Donaldson, you know, it's really surprising to me that he didn't re-sign with the Braves because I know that he was looking for four years, looking for north of $100 million, um, and he was offered that. They didn't offer it to him right off, you know, right off, but they, whatever the talks were, they made the offer. And then here come a few other teams, you know, that want to throw their name in the hat as well. But, you know, Donaldson, he had – a little bit of struggles at the very beginning with his little tenure in Atlanta, but then really came to form. The people in Atlanta love him. The fans love him. And he talked all year about how much he loved um, the team, the atmosphere, the city. So that is a surprise to me. Um, and, you know, we don't, we don't know what's being talked about behind closed doors at this point. I'm sure that when he makes his decision, we'll know why, but – I think that was the biggest surprise to me is that how he was talking and how it was, you know, perceived was that if Atlanta was willing to spend the money that he felt like, you know, he had earned and deserved that that's where he wanted to be. And then here it comes. And I can't even say that Atlanta's the front runner. I think they're in the mix, but you know, the nationals have a hand in it. I know the twins have shown interest in it. Yeah. But the latest reports are showing that the twins are basically out of it. Uh, Yeah. And that was to be expected. I don't think the twins can really afford him where he's at in his career. You know, a hundred million dollars is a lot to spend on someone that they're not a hundred percent on, you know, if they're going to spend a hundred million dollars for four years, I think they want somebody a little bit younger, somebody that they think 
they would have a possibility with maybe even longer than four years. So that's one thing. You know, I I don't think that it's been brought to light, but it, it really wouldn't surprise me if the Reds are in a sneaky sort of way in the mix for this. Um, I think the Reds outside of the White Sox have been probably the best offseason team in the last few years, especially this year. What what teams out there, even if they're not, well, let's stick with the ones that are in the mix. Which ones would benefit most from from Donaldson coming on staff at, or, uh, you know, coming on to third base for for a team? The Twins looking at uh, Miguel Sanio, uh, you know, his, his bat struggled last year um, and – so obviously that could be an addition uh, for that. And I think a lot of people are looking at Donaldson as not just a bat. It's who could really use a, a third baseman. So you talk about he could you know, stay in Atlanta. I think that that wouldn't be a good move for them. I think with Rendon leaving Washington, I think that would be a good move for him and the club saying that Donaldson stays healthy. I'm not saying that the Reds have a, have a piece where they absolutely need him, but I think he could be an upgrade for what they have. That's why I'm saying I, it's it, no, nobody's come right out and said it, but it would not surprise me if in the coming days and weeks we hear, Oh, by the way, the Reds have made an offer. We'll just, we'll have to see. Josh Donaldson was, is, is my head scratcher of the off season as to why, when the Braves made the offer that he had essentially wanted, papers weren't signed that day. But Now, do you think that there may be any teams out there that would be candidates that aren't being talked about that could really use Donaldson on third base and have the money to spend? That could be a surprise that just jumps out. No, not other than the Reds, but again, like I don't think the Reds absolutely need him. But And then you, you go into, I think as far as need, the two top ones would be Atlanta, but I think Atlanta could afford somebody that may be more valuable in the long run than Donaldson, you know, somebody like Chris Bryant. I think the Nationals being that $100 million is not astronomical to spend for a good third baseman. And being that the Nationals are now coming back, being really active in this offseason, they could spend that, save a little bit of money versus – what they would have spent trying to re-sign Rendon or trying to go get someone like Chris Bryant or an Arenado, one of these big-name, really, really expensive third basemen, and say, okay, we're, we're putting the pieces back together to make a run in the next three years. Truth be told, I think the Nationals, in my opinion, just where they're sitting would benefit the most, and I think it would give Donaldson the best chance to win right here, right now. All right, so Donaldson, we've discussed. Who else is out there? Um, we had talked about, last time, we talked about some Mookie Betts. Um, the non-free agents that are the biggest, the biggest right, talk right yeah, now. Yeah, non-free agents that are, that are still talking about uh, trades. Right, so uh, Mookie Betts, Francisco Lindor, we talked about. Now David Price is in that mix. Um, and so there would be just, you, we... You mentioned it was Price and Betts with a package deal to the Dodgers? That's what the, the talk is now. So when everybody knows it's not a secret, the Red Sox have got to do something about their payroll. They are so – I mean, they're penny-pinching at this point. You talk about one of the highest payrolls in baseball, but a team that can afford one of the highest payrolls, they're overspending. 
It's okay when you're out there competing for a World Series, but when they had the regression and like that World Series hangover that they had last year, now it's not justified. You can't keep spending if you're not going to be competing. Now, with the talent that the Red Sox have, I very well think the Red Sox could win a World Series again with the talent they have. But I think the Red Sox are looking more long-term and they're saying, okay, when Mookie Betts comes into free agency, are we going to spend the money that that he's going to cost? He could very well be another record-breaking contract. We're talking about someone that is on pace to be a future Hall of Famer. So he very well could end up not in Boston. So the best thing to do is get something for him while you can, but he's not the biggest financial issue. The biggest burden financially for them right now is David Price. So obviously with the Dodgers letting Ryu go, not re-signing him, to be able to get David Price, throw some cash at the Red Sox for, for Betts Price, alleviate that payroll for for Boston and then give away a prospect that puts in my opinion if the deal were to happen that puts the Dodgers as a clear-cut front runner in my opinion for a World Series and then that frees it up to let Boston go have a lot of money to play with and then that's going to make it really interesting in the next three years with that uh Yankees Red Sox rivalry now with the moves that the Yankees have made and then what the Red Sox could do in the coming seasons. You'd already mentioned Chris Bryant from from your uh, from your Cubs. Uh, there's talk he's not again not a free agent. Um, I think two years left maybe on his contract. Yep. Uh, he's getting into arbitration now. He's another Scott Boris client. So arbitration numbers I think have to be in at the end of the week. The projected arbitration figure for him is like eighteen and a half million a year. Listen, Chris Bryant, even though the past two seasons haven't been that great for him, he's dealt with some injury. He's been in a, a, a slump to say to you know, just to put it the way that it is. I think that's hurt his stock a little bit in teams going out there and saying, We'll pay whatever it takes, let's do it. I also think that that's made the Cubs kind of you know, not be willing just to say, okay, whatever it takes, we want to keep him because I do think they want to keep him. But the fear of the unknown, the fear of is he going to come back to that rookie of the year status that he was, um, you know, National League MVP. So there's been talks about him. I think that he would be a really good fit in in Washington. I don't know that the Nationals can afford him after what they've done. I think that he would be a really good fit in Atlanta. I think that he would be a good fit um, in L.A., but I don't know that L.A. wants to bring in another infielder like that and and replace what's already been proven to work out there. So we'll see what the arbitration figures are. Um, Scott Boris knows how to make his clients money. That's, yeah, that's and, a, it, and that and that 2019. I mean, it wasn't that much of a slump. He had a 282 ERA, and mm-hmm. his career average is 284. His career high was 2017 at 295. Mm-hmm. So he, he's not too far off on, on his batting. Um, and maybe that was just dragged down by by short periods and some slumps in the, in the season. Yeah, that's the thing with Chris and with Anthony Rizzo, too. It's like when they're bad, they're bad. But then when they're good, they're good. It evens everything out. Um, but when you talked about when they were rookies coming in, Chris came into the league – 
very short stint in the minor leagues. I mean, almost non-existent. And then he came in and was immediately Golden Glover, Rookie of the Year, you know, NL All-Star, NL MVP. It was just all at once, and the kid was a superstar. He still is a superstar. But when you go from that to injury and an average performance in the blink of an eye, that, you know, had it not been for that, I think the Cubs would have said, He's a franchise guy because that's what everybody thought. And until Javier Baez started becoming that guy, that's my guy right there. (laughs) But before him, before he made his name on that, you know, in that roster, Chris Bryant was the guy. He was he was for sure to be the franchise player. He was for sure to be, you know, the face of it. And now I think Javier Baez is that guy. I hate to see Chris go. But if he's if he's got to go to to save Javier, I think that's the smartest thing. Who do the Cubs replace with Bryant? Yeah, who do they replace Bryant with? You know, I I don't know. I don't think that that third base is is something that they're going to. Because the thing is, they the Cubs still have a few farm system prospects, so maybe they try that out. Um, maybe they make a shift and see if they keep Ben Zobris and let him play third for a little bit. I think that maybe behind closed doors we don't even realize it, that if if these arbitration numbers aren't something that the Cubs are willing to work with and they really start pushing to see what they could get for him, maybe that's what Donaldson's hanging on for and we just don't know it. For Bryant to leave, them get big bucks for him. I was going to ask you. You know, and then maybe and they go out there and say, okay, we'll spend just a little piece of this. Let's get Donaldson in here, see what he can do. And we'll 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 play it out for 2020. I don't think that would be a terrible move. I'm not going to choose Donaldson over Bryant if it's my choice. But if you've got to get rid of him, you get big bucks for him now. Then I think that you could save back a lot of money, put it into pitching, which you most certainly need, and then spend the leftovers getting getting Donaldson and knowing that you've got at least a solid third baseman for the next few years. All right, so we've talked about Donaldson being the free agent. We've talked about some of the non-free agent um, watch boards uh, with with uh, Baez, Lindor, um, Chris Bryant. Going back to free agents, Donaldson aside, who else is out there? One or two guys that you're kind of sitting there saying, okay, I can't. I, I want to see where they go to. Uh, well, Starlin Castro was signed, so that was one that I was wondering about. Um, he was a Cub, did really well there. Then he uh, he got traded, went to the Yankees. His time in the you know in New York wasn't bad, but it was average at best. He goes to Miami, which I thought that would actually be a really good fit for him. The problem is Miami just hasn't made strides to be a good team, in my opinion. So now that he is re-signed, yeah, he's were, back they under were battling with the Orioles last year to be the worst of baseball. Yeah, so the worst of baseball. Now that he's back under Joe Madden, I think that's a really good fit for him. Um, I think Nicholas Castellanos is going to be a big one. I think Texas is going to probably make a play for him. Ben Zobris being a free agent, it wouldn't surprise me being the best utility player in baseball, in my opinion. Maybe I'm a little bit biased because he's a Cub, but he plays every position so well. He's an error-free guy. He's, his on-base percentage is, you know, even though it, he kind of has his peaks and valleys too, he is the most clutch on-base guy I think I've ever watched. Not a power hitter, but when when you need someone to get on base, by God, he gets on base. So I, I think that the Angels may pick him up. And, you know, he's been a Joe Madden guy before in Tampa, 
with the Cubs won a World Series, and I think you know as the twilight of his career comes on, uh, you know he's won a World Series with the Royals. I think now he just wants to play out somewhere and have a good time, and I think the Angels would be a really good fit for him. It's saying that he leaves. All right. Well, I think that brings us to a good uh, segue where we can go to our sponsor clips. Again, this uh, this quick break brought to you by CappersDirect.com. Are you looking to make money sports betting? Are you looking for somebody reliable, trustworthy, and knows what they're doing? Check out our friends over at CappersDirect.com. That is a team located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Eight expert sports analysts all under one roof, providing you the best information in the industry. Guys, if you've never checked them out, do so. Again, it's CappersDirect.com. And one of our personal friends of the podcast, his name is Kyle Johnson. He is one of the lead analysts over at CappersDirect.com. He wanted us to give you a... uh, a coupon, 25% off anything at their site, anything short-term, long-term, any sport involved, use the coupon code CHASE25. So my name, C-H-A-S-E, and the number 25, all lowercase, will get you 25% off. If I'm not mistaken, that coupon code goes through the end of the month. And um, again, check them out, guys. If you've never done it before, you will not be disappointed. Go show them some love. Tell them that the team over at Outfielders Anonymous sent you. CappersDirect.com. Again, the coupon code is Chase and the number 25. And once again... Thank you to CappersDirect.com for their generous sponsorship. All right, so when we uh, we said we were going to come back, we talked about a couple of the free agents that are out there. We also talked about a couple uh, non-free agents, but that are in trade talks. And uh, I guess that just leads into overall organizational moves. And you and I have been talking. Everybody's been seeing. You know, there's a couple of teams that uh, are making a lot of moves, signing a lot of free agents. Um, it's been rather slow. I know that when we look at our teams, the Orioles, they they just signed uh, Jose Iglesias today. Uh, but that's it. That's the only free agent uh, move they made. I think the Cubs, we looked and there were none uh, so far. Nope, um, not as of yet. So, But one of the busiest teams out there is the Washington Nationals. Yep. And you know what's funny is I was talking to a lot of my, my clients who, who purchase my baseball packages every summer. And they – we were talking about right before the winter meetings where the the Washington Nationals, their owner went and did a live interview with Ken Rosenthal, and they were talking about Rendon and Strasburg being, you know, on the market. And he basically flat out said, he's like, we can't afford them. He's like, we certainly can't afford both. Don't know that we really can afford either one that may, you know, hurt us down the road as we – have to start to rebuild a few things. Plus, he was taking into consideration the fact that Juan Soto, you know, they're, they're golden boy right now, young kid. They've still got him for a little while. What are they going to do when, when his time comes? Is he going to be as much of a stud as he was this offseason to where they want to spare no expense to make sure they keep him? I told every one of them right then, I said, this is nothing more than a bluff. This is nothing more than a bluff so that other teams don't go out there and make astronomical offers 
to where they really couldn't afford him. I said, you watch. They'll sneak up. They are going to keep one of their two guys. Sure enough, the first major signing of the winter meetings, they kept their pitcher, which, in my opinion, was a better move for them than keeping Rendon. So, and here we are. It's funny how you can't afford something, and now you're in the top three or four teams that are making the biggest moves in the offseason. Yeah, signed, uh, re-signed Steven Strasburg, seven years, $245 million. Um, re-signed Daniel Hudson uh, for two years at $11 million. But they've just brought on uh, recently Will Harris uh, from the Astros, signed a, a three-year, $24 million contract. He is a uh, middle reliever. Um you bring up the Astros, that's a good topic that I think we want to get into next episode is with all the, the looming disciplinary things that are going to go take in place, not only financially, what are they going to be fined, what, what's it going to affect their presence in baseball. With the big names that they've got and the free agencies that will be coming up in the next three to five years, do we see the Astros try to make one more run or they do they just – accept the inevitable and start trying to stack up as much cash as possible and go into full rebuild. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, get, getting back to the nationals, their signing of Will Harris, 35 year old, uh, relief pitcher. What do you think? Uh, what, I, what's, what's your opinion on that signing? They nailed down a starting pitcher, um, brought resigned, um, Daniel Hudson, so they're maintaining, and this seems to be slightly building. They're... I, I don't know that it's a building move because of his age. If you look at Daniel Hudson, you look at his numbers, you look at what they paid, and take the fact of his age out of it and what could happen, I think it's a good sign. Well, Hudson's a, Hudson is younger than, than Will Harris. They brought Will Harris on. He's 35 no, that, That's old. what I'm talking about is oh, Will okay, Harris I as being the, the 35-year-old guy. That was not three years, so that brings him up to thirty-eight years old when the contract's done. Right. So the the question is, is he going to be worth the three years? I think for the money that they spent on him, I think they're okay because if he comes into two thousand and twenty and is still making an impact, like we know that he has the ability to do, the moves that the Nationals are making this off season, being that they just won a World Championship. If they do, if they just make the postseason the next two years and really have a fighting chance, I say it was money well spent. Now, again, he's 35 years old. Does he go out there, as we've seen pitchers do so many times, they're, they're this age that come in and they're like, hey, they're still hot, they're still throwing hard, they still have the velocity, and in one year they go from pitching at the highest level to okay, the end days are near. I last in twenty nineteen he had a one point five ERA, he had four wins as a reliever. No, I'm saying right now I think games, it was great. Pitched sixty innings. The only thing that with a with a signing like that, I mean, he's averaging basically an inning a game. Right, and that's why I'm saying for three years, I think at his age, I don't think that. Unless something odd happens, I don't think they have to worry about saying that he's just done. Yeah. Now, being that his age, I mean, that keeps his pitch count down below. Right. So I, I right now, I think it's a great signing. If they try to overuse him, which I don't think they'll do, I think that they're smart enough to know what they have here. 
I think it it could be not only a great sign now, but I think when they look back on it in three years, they could say it was well worth the money. He was a, a vital part of that, you know, rotation as far as the relievers go. The the only downside to it is there's always that question of health, which you have that with any pitcher. You just have it a little bit more with how fragile somebody at that age would be versus saying, hey, we just signed a 27-year-old. That That's the only difference. Right now, I think it's a great sign for him. So they re-signed um, going to the infield now for the Nats. They've been busy, as we said. Uh, they re-signed Cabrera, and they brought in Starlin Castro. And you had mentioned that before. Yep. Um, you had mentioned that acquisition. Uh, both of them are second basemen. Um, you know, is Cabrera going to move to third? Is, you know, are, are they putting him back to, or not back to, but are they going to put him on first? I don't think we'll see that decision until right at the start of the season. Obviously, they'll go through spring training. They'll kind of move them around, see what happens. You might even see one of these guys do a stint in the minor leagues this year just to see. Starling Castro, I don't think he has a lot of years left. He's been... He's 29 years old. Well, but the thing is, he's also dealt with some injuries in his career. Not not anything major, but and you got to think... Rose 34. So, you know, is this just bringing in a guy that they can actually put at, you know... I think they're using somebody right now that... Age and health-wise, this is more of let's be safe about it. Let's make sure that if something were to happen, we've got something to fall back on with Starling Castro. But he's also somebody that could be used in a utility position if they needed somebody in the outfield, if they needed somebody at first. Hell, Well, they just signed Eric Thames. Well, I'm just saying if they needed it for, you know, something throughout the year where somebody had to go on assignment down in the minor leagues if somebody got hurt. Starlin's one of those guys where I feel bad for the guy that in the last two signings that he's gotten with the trade to the Yankees after, you know, because he was great for the Cubs. The fans loved him. He was a very useful part of their team. But then they bring in Javier Baez. I think we see now that you would want to have Baez over Castro any day of the week. But then he goes to the Yankees. I think he did good there. I think he's done well at Miami. But it seems like he keeps getting these little onesie-twosie contracts. And, you know, we can go back the last 20 years. Players that get those type of contracts, they move around so much, they end up retiring a lot earlier than guys that sign the bigger long-term deals and feel like they have a home. Starlin's got kids. You know, eventually, when you've made enough money, it's like, God, do I want to pick up and start over again? That's just as much on the player's behalf as it is, does a team want to sign him? I think right now they picked up Starlin because they could get him for the right price. They know he can use him in multiple situations, in multiple positions. Come spring training, we'll see what happens, where they decide to make their, their decision going into the season. And I think that it's up in the air for where they end up throughout the season. I don't think you're going to see Starlin Castro stand at second base all year. That's just my opinion. But again, that's just looking ahead at this point. Yeah, so we've discussed the Nats. Uh, very busy. Again, just to recap. Um, acquired Castro, Harris, and Thames. As well as a minor leaguer, uh, Fernando Abad, who's a uh, 34-year-old relief pitcher, uh, but that sent him to minor leagues. And then they retained Cabrera, 
Hudson, Kendrick, and Strasburg uh, with that large contract. I heard somebody say the other day, I don't remember what I was watching, but it was something on ESPN. They had brought up something about Garrett Cole, and then they started talking. They, they brought up Strasburg for a minute, and then they they brought up what the Nationals are doing this offseason, and, and they asked – God, I can't remember who it was, but they asked him. They were like, oh, with all the moves, do you really think that the Nationals could be a contender to go back-to-back? And the person said without hesitation, they said, no way, not happening. You're not going to go win another World Series without Rendon. And then he said that Rendon was the only reason they won. I wish I could remember who this person was because he's a moron. Now, Rendon was great. May Was he the biggest superstar of that series? Maybe. But And does it hurt to lose someone like that? Sure. But if people don't think that with the talent they have on that team, how well managed it is, and just – saying that they don't have that World Series hangover, anybody that thinks that the Nationals couldn't make a run is crazy. Well, and you know, I always, I, I always hate it when people equate a team's success, a team's success to a single player. Very, there well, are Especially very in a few, sport like baseball. Exactly, exactly. There are very few instances where I can think, you know what, without this person, it wouldn't be the same team. The Patriots and Tom Brady come to mind. Yep. Football, maybe. Okay, but but baseball, you're right. I mean, yeah, pitchers are great. Starting pitchers are great, but they pitch once every five days. Mm-hmm. You know, and and maybe maybe a player has a streak in the playoffs, and yeah, had some clutch hits, or but that's in a series. You There's know, only they been get to that point because of the entire team doing that. So especially in baseball, like you said, you know, having as far back as I can remember, there's only hit, been he doesn't hit nine times every. Every round, right? I mean, right. He hits once every nine times, too. The The only time that I can remember that one player had that much of an impact was Michael Jordan. They go out there. They win three championships in a row with him and the team they had built. He decides to go play baseball. The team doesn't even make the playoffs, and he's the only piece missing. He comes back. They win three more championships. Okay, we'll give that to him, but he may also be the greatest athlete that's ever lived. In baseball, you have superstar guys that can go weeks at a time and make zero impact and the team still wins. Yes, was Anthony Rendon a huge part of their their season? The reason that they, you know, they, they started off so poorly. They ended up doing just enough to get to wild card. Is he a reason for that? Yes, he is part of it. Is he a part of the reason that they won that game? Yes. Is he part of the reason they ended up champions? Without a doubt. Is he the only reason? Absolutely not. Can you win a championship without great starting pitching? No, you cannot. But you also, even as good as your pitching is, I've never seen a team score zero runs and be champions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you still got to score. Yeah, bats still have to touch balls. So. Um, okay, so we talked about the Nets' um, movement and acquisitions or retaining their players. Uh, on the flip side of this, we have a team that we uh, that was a, that was really fun to watch. Uh, in 2019, the Milwaukee Brewers that are mm-hmm. apparently having a yard sale. Yep, uh, they had eight free agents for this cycle, um, and every single one of them have been signed, and only one uh, stayed with the Brewers, and that was Alex Claudio. Um, but Gio Gonzalez, uh, Yasmani Grandal, Junior Guerra, uh, Jordan Lyles, Mike Mustakas, Travis Shaw, and Eric Thames, who we just talked about, all left the organization. 
So does Milwaukee have a chance in hell of of even being second place in the in the uh, AL, NL Central? Yeah, and that's only because I mean, if the Cubs do like they did last year and screw the pooch, uh, obviously I think the Reds are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, the Cardinals, I think, again, are probably going to be a front runner in the Central. Do they have a shot? Sure, because that that division is so up in the air and it, it just ha- happens so weird sometimes. But on paper, no, I don't think they do. But again, they're a small market team, so they do like most small market teams do. They draft players, they develop them, and then they become organ donors to the rich teams. You know, the, the big names get them and then they start all over and they just cross their fingers that – Somewhere in every 10-year span, they have a chance. I'm surprised that the Brewers got rid of of as much as they did as early. I felt like they could have held the team together for just a little bit longer. And then, you know, obviously having Christian Yelich and that big name, at least in their own division, been able to make a run for it. How do you fill gaps like Mike Moustakas and Yosemite Grindahl? With their money, I don't think you can. That That's the problem. You know, if it was the Yankees losing that, it'd be, oh, we just go get another one. But when you're talking about small market, you know, people that can't go sign $300 million contracts at the drop of a hat. You know, the Angels did it with Mike Trout, but the Angels would have literally just put Mike Trout out on the field and said, this is all we got because he's the, the greatest player in baseball and he will draw sellout crowds just because he's standing there. That aside, you cannot replace someone like that with your checkbook. You've got to go find a diamond in the rough, or you got to hope that you know the people that you draft turn out to be what you hope they are. Yeah, and you know what's surprising? Mustakas went to the Reds, so they're you know he's going they're to... helping out their division. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously this is a free agent signing, right? So... But I'm saying, like you know. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have seen a trade like that. No, it wouldn't have been a trade. But at the same time, you as many, it's almost like with what the AL Central is doing, you got to know in the back of your head if these guys are getting ready to be free agents and you have someone within your own division making as many moves as they are, hence the Reds, at the very least humor the idea of seeing if it's even remotely possible to keep them just in the off chance that you can, you don't want them to go to someone you have to face as many times you as know, you do. That brings up a good point for Mike Moustakas. He's he's staying in his division, so he's he he knows the division, he yep. knows the pitchers, he, and now he's going to a team that you already said is one of those sleepers out there that you think could really surprise everybody yeah. with their performance in 2020. Now you're adding a superstar like Mike Moustakas to this. For him, as a from a player standpoint... He made the smartest move he ever could have made by staying in the division that he knows. From the Brewer standpoint, they're the only ones that could suffer from it. Now, here's another thing. You want to hear a fun fact about the Reds, being that we're talking about them. The three hardest pitches in baseball in today's game to hit. The slider, the you know some form of changeup, like a you know off-speed pitch, um, a sinker, and then your... I don't know what that is. So change up, sinker, slider. Okay, those three right there. Per the numbers, they're the hardest to hit in today's game. If you go by the numbers and say, okay, who are the, the best pitchers at throwing those particular pitches? There's a different one for each pitch, and all three of them are on the Reds rotation. Two starters and one reliever. Wow. 
So tell me they're not a sleeper. <laughs> so they would be. They will be interesting to watch. So we talked uh, Nats making a lot of moves, making a lot of acquisitions, and Brewers um, really having a yard sale and getting rid of a lot. What think, else is out there that that has taken? Well, let me let me say it this way: two things. First, give me the team that you think uh, surprised you with their moves, uh, with their acquisitions, and or their losses. Obviously, leaving out the Nats and, and the Brewers because we already talked about it. And a team that surprised you with some signings that they brought on that you didn't see coming. And again, I know it's been slow, so maybe we're reaching here. Maybe this is a good time to, to air it out to our audience and see if they, uh, they have any of this. I guess there's two answers. I mean, you said the biggest surprise. So like I told everybody weeks ago, the Reds and the White Sox have done the best job. So that was no surprise. So we'll leave those out of it. It wasn't a surprise to me that the Nationals made moves. I, I knew from the beginning. I said it plenty of times before. The Nationals, the fact that he went out there and said we're broke just means that he's got money to spend. But the way that they've done it, I think, was not only very smart, and I think that it went from everybody thinks they're going to have a yard sale to – they're a clear front runner in the in the NL East, in my opinion. I think that they are above the Phillies, and I think that they are above the Braves. Which going into the off season, with what we thought was going to happen, the players that were going to leave, it was going to come down to front runner being the Phillies or the Braves. Phillies having a little bit of an edge because of veteran leadership, things like that. I think the Nationals are a clear front runner again. So I do think that was one of the biggest surprises. But overall, How much do you think all those acquisitions may hurt the clubhouse. You know, one of yeah, you can have talent on the field, great you know, great management of the team. Chemistry in the clubhouse has everything to do with a team's success. Uh, I think one of the biggest scenario or one of the biggest examples of that that I remember is uh, the 2004 Boston Red Sox and just how much of a team and camaraderie that you sensed in every interview. Um, just with the team. So how much uh, do you think that some of these acquisitions may change the clubhouse atmosphere? Um, it really, you know, I think the biggest ones where it can help would be like the acquisition of Cole Hamels to the Braves. The Braves being such a young team, they get that veteran leader. I think that's why the Braves spent as much money as they did on him. Because per the numbers, per his age, I can't say that his arm is worth $18 million a year anymore. But the fact that he is who he is is worth – it's essentially priceless to be able to come in there and be a coach of sorts, a motivator, a teacher. So I think that that was where it most certainly helps. Where I see it hurting is like with the, the Red Sox. If they get rid of price and bets, bets for sure, who knows what that could do to, you know – to tilt something one way or the other. And let's say that both of those guys went to the Dodgers. Now Mookie Betts goes from being the face of, you know, an American League East franchise to the face of the Dodgers franchise. That may rub somebody the wrong way in L.A. Yeah. Saying that, you know, I was that guy. Yeah, we want him here to help us win, but I still want to be that guy. And I'm sorry, if Mookie Betts is on the team, he's probably that guy. Yeah. So I think that... Everybody still has pride. Mookie coming through our farm team here in Greenville. Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, it remains to be seen. 
I think that it a lot of that comes down to management. How does a manager, what type of culture does he build? Because if the players buy into it, they'll all find a way to make it work. But it's all going to be the culture that the manager builds. So Joe Madden builds the they you know pl- plenty of people have said it that have played for him. It is the most relaxed, laid back, fun atmosphere in a clubhouse. And Joe's motto was the team that's having the most fun is the team that's winning the most. Yeah. I mean, he proved it. Yeah. Bringing flamingos and petting zoos in <laughs> before they got on the bus for a road trip. They win a World Series. So he did it in Tampa Bay. He'll do it in Anaheim. Flamingos and petting zoos. He did. That was an actual thing. Um, Joe Girardi with Philly. I think he'll do that. Um, Boston, they've gone through managers. They had a manager that was a joke, to to say the very least. Yeah, he got a World Series, but then it just proved how little he did to keep everything together in 2019. So, if if – if it's any, if there's any time to really start working on a rebuild, I think it's now for him. I hate it. I've never seen a team with so much talent have as bad of a year as they did. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, we've we've talked about a little, you know, a lot here, uh, at least as much as we can, given the uh, slow pace of this free agent period. So we will be coming back with more. Um, Chase, any closing thoughts? I know that we want to talk about. Um, how anybody listening out there can get interactive with us, shoot us some emails. Um, my personal email address, Hawk, is uh, hawkscall.voice.talent at gmail.com. I think I got it right this time. I think last time I, I said it wrong. So, yep, again, gonna... that is hawkscall.voice.talent at gmail.com. Feel free to shoot me an email if there's any topics that you want us to discuss on this. Uh, feel free to do so. Um, and any feedback, you know, we, uh, we launched last year, kind of rolled back, relaunched, um, with a different focus. And, uh, we'd like to hear some feedback about how we're doing and what, uh, what, what we can improve on or what, what you like. Yep. And, uh, like, like Hawk and I were talking before we started, we didn't want to overbear the, the topic of free agency. I mean, obviously there's a lot to talk about, but there's only so much you can talk about until things actually happen. It's just speculation. So we do think that a lot of things are going to come about in these next seven days. So it's a waiting game now. We want to wait. We want to see what happens. So that way we can discuss it and give our thoughts on it. But in that meantime, before the end of this week, when we record another episode, guys, shoot us emails. You may want to talk about something that happened three years ago. We will talk about it, as long as it's baseball-related. Now, if you want to talk about, you know, what happened, you know, in the presidential election in 1984, I'm, we're probably going to pass over that one, and we'll, we'll save that for a different podcast. But shoot me an email or Hawk an email. He gave you his. Mine is chase at chasewins.com. Give it to us, man. We want to know all the questions. Anything baseball-related you want to talk about, whether it be players, teams, managers, anything. We want to talk about it, too. Any ideas for stuff, we want to hear about it. And that way, on our next episode that we can record, we our goal would be to have half the episode be nothing but answering um listeners questions and talking about their topics and then if you if you're the one that sends it in and you want your social media plugged just put it in there and we will make sure that we uh that we plug it for you yeah and a good uh 
maybe a good rhythm to be if we can get some good responses is we you know record an episode and launch it early in the week get feedback and then do a you know user call segment uh each week too so just yep. some just some food for thought for us and for you our listeners yep uh so i think that uh we've covered quite a bit today appreciate you all tuning in uh here at outfielders anonymous uh and signing off now from the Hawk's Nest. I am Hawk. And I'm Chase. And oh, before we do that, I wanted to give one more thank you to the sponsor, CappersDirect.com, for sponsoring this episode. We appreciate it. Go check them out, CappersDirect.com. Coupon is Chase25. Yep. All right. Thanks, Outfielders Anonymous. We'll talk to you later. Later.